Welcome to the Collector's Podcast. I am Justin Pogajinski, and today we are making it fun, everybody. We are talking about the Nintendo 64, or for those of you who don't like to spell Nintendo, N64. A little bit on the history of the Nintendo 64. It was released in 1996, the year the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl. That's relevant because I am a diehard Packer fan, and I think you should be too. It was innovative for its time because it was the first home console that was 64 bits. Well, what does that mean? Well, being a non-tech guy, I don't know what it means, but it sure sounds good. What 64 bits really means is that I was able to create 3D items something that had not been done to date with video games. In addition, the N64 was one of the last consoles to use the game cartridge. Uh, There was a small chip inside and it could only hold up to 64 megabytes of information. And as a result, many of the cartridges blew up to having them holding too much information. I'm kidding, they did not blow up, forget that. What it really meant with the cartridges being able to hold limited information was that it made developers of the games use minimal video cut screens and they reused many of the sounds that they could. As a result, many third-party developing companies did not produce their games for the Nintendo 64. That's one of the knocks on the product is because there were so few games available compared to, say, PlayStation at the time. Now... The design of the machine was fantastic. What really made the N64 historical was how they designed the controller. It was the most, at the time, it was the most unusual controller ever released. I admit, when I first saw it as a, as a kid, I thought an alien designed it. That's because it came with an analog stick, which, which was new for the time and it was game changing literally, because it allowed for 360-degree control. Wow, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble speaking today. Which allowed for more precision for moving characters and items. As a result, it helped create new multiplayer games that otherwise wouldn't be able to be available, such as James Bond, GoldenEye 007, Super Smash Bros, and Mario Kart. Now, obviously, there's more. I'm just naming off some of my favorites. <laughs> now, in saying that, the N64, when it was first released, was very popular. However, it eventually did lose market share to Sony's PlayStation. And a lot of that had to do with Sony... Uh, eventually did start competing with the N64. There are more games available for it. But in its heyday, the N64 had games that Sony did not have. And that is why, personally, even though I never owned an N64 growing up, I was very jealous of all my friends that did. I always wanted to play uh, Super Smash Bros., Mario Kart, as a result, when I got to college and, and actually some of my friends bought a system, I bought one. Oh, NFL Blitz. I forgot to mention that game as well. as one of my favorites. But to this day, I still have my N64 that I bought in college, and, and I love it. I don't hardly ever play it, but it, uh, it makes me feel like a kid again to see those graphics. Uh, some of the most popular games 
be Legend of Zelda. I'm going to butcher this spelling or pronunciation. Or, or, Orcania of Time. Super Smash Bros. Mario Kart. James Bond. GoldenEye. Super Mario, which came with the uh, system when you first... It was one of the first games made available with the N64. That was Super Mario. Uh, another one of my favorites, I said, NFL Blitz. Where can you buy the N64? Well, it was discontinued uh, in 2003 in North America. So today, you can buy them on eBay, Craigslist. You can get them from Santa Claus, probably. Maybe the Easter Bunny, if you're really good. Uh, some of the most valuable or popular items to collect of them. Uh, Yoshi's Story, the international version, I saw on eBay, sells between $1,500 and $2,000. Uh, Conker's, Bad, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Snowboard Kids sequel, I saw that was selling for about $2,000. And StarCraft. Granted, there's more. I'm just, for sake of time, because I know there's diehard collectors out there. Fair, fair disclosure, I am not the most knowledgeable person about Nintendo 64. What I do here is I research about these topics and present them to you, hopefully in an entertaining way. Uh, some of those valuable consoles for the N64. First off, N64 kind of copied Apple in a way in, in 96, where they had their colorful, uh, just like how the Mac computers at the time had different shades and hues to them. The N64 did as well, and they had colors in like ice blue, jungle green, watermelon pink or red, depending how you see colors. Uh, but today they sell new in the box for about 200 to 300. Some other collectibles for the consoles, the Toys R Us limited edition gold version, in good condition, probably looking between five to $600 for my research. Now, I'm going to butcher these pronunciations as well, but there's two rare systems as well. Uh, Dei Hawks N64 can get up to about $850. And then the Juicego 30th N64, which is very elusive and expensive, very limited supply, uh, goes for about $1,500. Good luck trying to find one of those on eBay. As I said, N64... Many people now are collecting the games. It's, it's just something fun to do, especially if you were growing up in that time. For me, that's one of the reasons why I bought it. I, I wouldn't call my video game a collection. It was just more of my favorite games. But when I start to feel old, I know I'll start to put that Nintendo 64 back on to uh, relive the good old days, right? So this was my talk about the N64 for the time being. I'll be back with you tomorrow for another podcast and another area to collect. I'm Justin Pogojinski, and I will see you soon.